from Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Good afternoon, good evening, good day, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast, whether it is 12 midnight or first thing in the morning or as you're commuting, we welcome you and thank you for being here. This is Rated LGBT Radio and I am your host, Rob Watson. Um, Today's topic is uh, from one of our good friends, um, another top-notch journalist, Bill Zonkel, who is the editor of Q Voice News and the story they broke about um, harassment and I'd love to say this is new harassment, but I know firsthand that it is not. It is, it is legacy harassment from the Garden Grove Police Department uh, against gay men where they are entrapped. And uh, the, the desire is to label them and arrest them as sex offenders um, with all the shame and ramifications that come with that. They are up to their old tricks. And Bill has a story of one gentleman who was ensnared by their uh, situation there in Garden Grove. And we're going to talk about that and um, why it happened, what the legal protections are, et cetera. Um, I know a lot of people listen to us from other places in the United States where they may be in communities where this type of behavior is going on, and we want to um, make people aware of it. And um, again, Um, beyond the stigma, but what people can do about it. Um, We're also going to talk today uh, about the coronavirus, and uh, admittedly, this is going to be a little bit timely conversation, so the date of this podcast is March 12th, so bear that in mind when you hear what we talk about, and make sure to check and make sure that it is still in force. Um, if you're if you're taking that to heart and want to take action around it or um, understand what's going on. Um, but it is timely, and we do want to talk about that um, a little bit as well. And with that, I'd like to bring on my trusted uh, co-host and um, crack journalist, Brody Lex. Brody, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, morning, or evening to our listeners around the globe. Um, and, and, of course, the, uh, the top trending news is uh, the coronavirus. I have a few things I'll cover real briefly. Um, I just got off the phone with a spokesperson for Disney Parks. The spokesperson confirmed that Disneyland in Anaheim, California, is going to close, along with the Disney California Adventure on Saturday morning. This is through to the end of the month. This was in light of California Governor Gavin Newsom and state health officials' recommendations that gatherings of 250 people or more uh, be canceled across the state. Uh, The Disney spokesperson told me they have yet to make a determination in terms of Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Uh, But at this point, as of Saturday, Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure will be closing to go along with that. Um, So we have had the following. The NCAA has canceled all of the men's and women's basketball tournaments 
uh, in wake of the virus. This comes as several other conferences, including Southwestern, Atlantic, and the Big 12, canceled all of their, term- uh, uh, their tournaments. In addition to that, we have the National Hockey League, the National Baseball, uh, and the National Basketball all canceling their seasons. Um, the NHL has suspended its uh, season indefinitely, and this again was after the NBA and Major League uh, Soccer and Baseball canceled theirs. Um, on the actual front for the virus, I just um, got some more notifications that the university system in Illinois will be shutting down uh, the state-run schools. Some of the private schools will follow suit. They're shifting to online. Decisions have not been made uh, in terms of what they're going to be doing with kids who are in the dorms and things like that. Now, mind you, some of these closures are only within the next 30-day uh, window. However, it's subject to change predicated on where the virus is going to be, what it's standing, and what's going on with it. Um, we are also seeing the same thing occurring uh, in other university systems and in some public school systems. In Maryland, uh, the state of Maryland has decided to close all public schools for at least uh, through the end of spring break. There are also several other large school districts that are out on spring break. They are currently going to be making similar decisions. In New York, Mayor, uh, excuse me, in New York, both Mayor De Blasio and New York Governor Andrew Cuomo have uh, issued decrees more or less banning any gathering of 500 people um, or more. They're trying to make a determination as to what they're going to be doing uh, with the nation's largest schools, which, of course, is the New York City schools. I spoke to uh, a spokesperson for the uh, Los Angeles Unified School District, which is the second largest school district in the United States. The LAUSD is still making a determination uh, as to whether or not they will follow suit. Um, at this point, uh, we're also looking at the fact that as of Friday, air travel from Europe, with the exception of the United Kingdom, um, will be uh, stopped. You won't be able to hop on a plane and fly home. Uh, if, so if you're sitting in Paris, uh, yeah, you get an extended vacation whether you want it or not. Uh, the Trump administration is continuing to move forward with plans on testing. Uh, Representative uh, Katie Porter of California, she represents a part of um, Orange County, um, has gotten a commitment from the head of the Centers for Disease Control to pay for coronavirus testing for all Americans. Uh, we're still waiting to see whether or not the treatment phase of this will be covered. Uh, we are also looking at the stock market today, Rob, the stocks are the lowest point they've been since 1987. So the markets are taking uh, some serious hits. The Fed announced that they will be taking remedial action in terms of dumping more into the money supply uh, for the larger banks and banking institutions. On the heels of that, Tennessee Senator Lamar Alexander uh, told reporters earlier today that the Senate will not take up the House coronavirus bill uh, until after the Senate recess, which, of course, got the Speaker of the House and most of the Democrats uh, on edge. Um, in LGBTQ news, something that's really kind of important, I want to point this out, my colleague Nico Lang, uh, reporting for NBC News Out, 
posted a piece a couple days ago talking about the fact that Alabama is moving much closer to a draconian trans health care bill for minors. This will be the first one, if the governor signs it, in the nation that would essentially criminalize transitional therapy for anybody under the age of 18. So if you wanted to get on T, for example, if you're a trans man, that would be a no. Worse, if you're a doctor and you try and help one of your patients out, you could be charged with a felony. So that's kind of the state of where we're at right now. The last thing, I just got the latest numbers in uh, from uh, Paris. Here's what we've got, excluding China. As of today, the global mortality rate of coronavirus uh, is holding steady at 3.6%. Your large number is Iran at 4.3%, South Korea at 0.8%, Italy at 8.3%, followed by the United States at 29 it looks like the new rate of infections uh, are keeping on a bell curve. We're keeping an eye on that. So that's it basically for the news for today. Um, yeah, and Brody, what uh, I don't think you covered this in terms of the restriction on, on Europe. Europe has come back um, harshly against President Trump's um, action. Do you have any information on their reaction to it? Uh, we've had some, uh, yeah, we've had some reaction from some EU uh, ministers. Uh, we're waiting for a statement from Chancellor Merkel uh, in Germany and uh, French President Macron's office. Um, generally, the EU itself uh, sees this uh, as an unnecessary draconian uh, measure, um, and um, I think one minister referred to it as pointless, which. Um, you know, it's it's they're they're not reacting terribly well to Trump's you know decision to do this. At the end of the day, um, you know, you still also have other countries that are considering closing their borders altogether. The the hot spot right now in Europe is Italy, but the entire nation of Italy went on lockdown. There's no travel by air, train, bus or foot traffic in and out of Italy right now as the Italians and the Italian government are dealing with it. As far as the European Union goes, uh, in terms of percentages, they are in the below threshold, hovering at even less than the United States. Um, so we're waiting, basically, I'm actually waiting now for a statement from Brussels, um, uh, you know, in terms of what the EU will or will not do. Uh, and, of course, we'll probably hear a little bit later on today. Right. And it should be noted that um, the First Lady of Canada has um, been exposed. She's awaiting testing to see if she has the virus. Um, and actor Tom Hanks and his wife, uh, Rita Wilson, both have the virus in Australia. Um, and we're keeping best wishes for them but they are, are very visible faces of, of it right now. They are. They, they, they're the highest profile faces of it. Um, you know, we're at this point, it's, you know, this thing's kind of hit or miss. We're still dealing with the fact, according to the experts that I've been talking to at CDC and other places, um, this virus is tracking anyone with a compromised immune system, uh, the elderly, and especially anyone who's got um, respiratory issues, and so these are some of your these are some of the areas that are going. And again, this probably is going to sound a little morbid, but the 
overall global mortality rate is stable. So it's it's. I know that sounds horrible because you know it's like I'm not being cavalier about obviously folks dying, but it's the fact that it is remaining stable uh, is actually in a good way. Uh, the infection rate, however, is much more of a concern, and that's pretty much what everybody uh, is paying attention to right now. The concerns, as far as the United States is concerned, uh, is to make sure that everybody gets tested, and so that's what we're looking right. at. Right and. One thing, too, that isn't talked about, because obviously we're focusing on mortality rate, but um, this, this disease does create health issues, even for people who recover. Because uh, the things I've been seeing, the recovery rate is about 50%. In other words, people who completely recover from it. Um, so in between the mortality rate and the recovery rate are people who have permanent fibrosis in their lungs and different issues that um, I don't know that ever get rectified. Um, do you have any information on that, Brody? Actually, I don't, and that is something that I currently have a reporter working on because that was a question that I Great. raised earlier today in an editorial conference because of that very fact that you mentioned. We, all we have now in terms of numbers on recovery is what you know China has, which, of course, the epicenter, but they have started shutting down their hospitals, and they seem to have a handle on it. But we still don't know what the long-term effects are. And so, yeah, I've got I've got a reporter working on that. Excellent. So we'll report more um, more accurately on that. But um, in the meantime, uh, and right before we bring Phil on, we are actually sponsored by the LA Blade. And um, Brody, what information do we have from our friends at LA Blade today? The Los Angeles Blade this week looks at arts in a way that suits a pandemic, surveying the streaming wars that have taken Hollywood and now the world by storm. And there's a huge amount of LGBT offerings that you'll love. Of course, coronavirus coverage of breaking news uh, from news editor Karen Oakham and her staff, including yours truly, and all and more at the L.A. Blade, which will, uh, will come out on the streets of Los Angeles on Friday. If you'd like to learn more or see what we have archived, go to LosAngelesBlade.com. That's LosAngelesBlade.com. Excellent. So with that, um, we have a – we are obviously very embedded in the journalism world, and um, we – today's guest is absolutely no exception. He is um, a mover and a shaker um, in that regard. He is the editor of Q Voice News. And with that, I'd like to welcome Phil Zonkel to the program. Phil, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Hi, Brody. Hi, Rob. Hey. Hey. So, so Phil, tell us what's going on in yes. lovely Garden Grove. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of these scenarios where when you hear about it, you're thinking this is 2020, Southern California. This 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 can't be happening. But uh, and just for a geography kind of reference, where Garden Grove is in California, it's uh, practically neighbors to Long Beach, California, which is the southernmost city in Los Angeles County. Considered a fairly progressive area when it comes to LGBTQ, you know, rights acceptance, progressive whatnot. So what happened, um, did we go back to like the very beginning or where would you like me to start at? 
Yeah, start, yeah, tell us the story from the beginning. That would be great. So it's another one of these kind of, you know, from all the, all the reporting that I've done and experts that I have spoken with, it's another one of these problematic situations, police doing an undercover uh, sting operation for, for lead conduct. Normally these types of events, uh, typically we hear they take place in public spaces or places, parks, restrooms. This one took place in a private business, which is kind of a whole different scenario. I mean, it's a private business, and there were no complaints from the community about lewd conduct at this particular location. It's an adult bookstore, so people going to an adult bookstore know what kind of material they have there. It's an adult bookstore. You're probably going to see some nudity or see different things. So in this particular incident, which actually took place in January, of 2017, uh, a man went there looking for some companionship. Inside of the adult bookstore, there's another, uh, there's a, a, an arcade area which has its own uh, private entrance and requires an admission to enter. When you open the door, when someone goes in, anybody who's in the room hears a buzzer go off so you know someone else is coming in. The room is dotted with a variety of peep show type. Uh, booths that have five foot walls so people could stand in there and you know survey look around the area to who else is in there or they could look over the walls of adjoining you know of, of their neighbor or walk around look over walls as well and inside the booths there are uh, porno movies that are playing this particular day a gentleman named Tree Fan went to the bookstore went inside the arcade he uh, um he thought he saw what we call Mr. Right. The guy ended up being Mr. Wrong. The individual initiated contact with Tree by doing nonverbal um, communication, raised his eyebrows, uh, made eye contact, you know, indications that were signals that he was interested in some kind of contact with Tree. He went over to the man, uh, according to testimony in court that I went to, the guy had his hand on his crotch. Uh, you know, these are all kind of those suggestive signals that the man was interested in some kind of hookup or something. Tree showed the man his genitals, um, no kind of response. So then Tree, Tree thought, okay, the guy's not interested. He had his, the guy had his cell phone out. He was like, all right, not interested, leaves. A few minutes later, the guy initiates eye contact again with Tree. Same kind of signals, you know, head gestures, nodding sort of thing. Tree goes back over there. Same thing happens all over again. Again, the guy doesn't initiate anything when Tree exposes himself. Walks away. Moments later, another undercover, another person swoops in. This happened, the guy happened to be an undercover uh, detective with the Garden Grove Police Department. Second detective swoops in and arrests Tree. They arrest him claiming lewd conduct. When, and he was booked on that particular um, count. When the DA gets a hold of this case, they add an indecent exposure count to the case. In California, if you're found guilty of indecent exposure, that's one of the elements that uh, makes you then required to sign up for lifetime registration on the sex offender list. So this guy now has been charged with good conduct, and he also is facing lifetime registration on the sex offender list. What makes this whole situation problematic, though, is that 
1979, the California Supreme Court had a loot conduct case, Pryor versus municipal versus municipal court. And in that case, the California Supreme Court ruled that if, among other things, when the conduct is being uh, is happening, if the person doing the conduct has a reasonable belief that no one would be offended by it who is watching, it is not lewd conduct. It is not illegal. End of story. And the state has no business pursuing these cases. The defense attorney yeah, it's, in, as you can see where this is going, you know, the, the police initiated contact, yeah. you know, eyebrow raising, all these things that indicated they would not be offended. So almost by, you know, default experts are saying all of these lewd conduct arrests, they always involve decoys that are trying to get to the person's attention. These are not, these are all false arrests. This isn't lewd conduct because you've given, you've given the person every indication you would not be offended by it. So that's where it was at. And it's, again, problematic. It's been going on for decades. I mean, decades of kind of behavior has been going on. Many municipalities and many cities and many jurisdictions in California uh, have stopped doing this for a variety of reasons. Some of them lawsuits, some of them backlash, some of them have been that, you know, prosecutors or police look at the Supreme Court case and go, you know what, we're not going to get involved in this. Plus, it's also a waste of valuable taxpayer money to do these stakeouts. To, I mean, it's just, it's a, you know, it's a waste of money. So that's part one. <laughs> You're going to ask me something yeah. or... No, no, I just, well, one thing that oh. I have to share with you and, and our listeners is um, the Garden Grove Police Department, um, in my opinion and my experience, is heinous in its um, uh, draconian and um, oppressive uh, behaviors for a very long time. Um, I actually had an experience with them directly um, in Garden Grove uh, this is over 20 years ago, so I hope that their behavior had changed. But um, I did go into an establishment. I don't know if it's the same one or a, a legacy one um, to get some magazines and some other material. Came out. Um, I was dressed in kind of gym gear. It wasn't salacious or anything like that. But I went to my car in the parking lot owned by the um, the shop. It wasn't like a public parking lot, um, mm-hmm. open my car door, put, put the stuff in the back, close my car door. There was another guy standing out in the parking lot about, you know, two cars down. And I just kind of acknowledged him and said hello because um, he was looking at me. Immediately, a police car, and again, said hello. I wasn't cruising. It wasn't like, like you know, come hither, anything like that. A police car pulled up and mm-hmm. blocked my car from behind. The guy got out, and what was I doing there? Did I know that guy? You know, all these questions, and it's like going, I bought something here. I'm getting into my car. But it was pure on harassment. You know, I, you know, it was obviously anything that he could, if I had, I mean, it, 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 uh, I felt so oppressed. I mean, and with no intention to do anything, in terms of cruising or or anything like that, and if he had mm-hmm. written me up as to doing anything like that, would have been his word against mine, and because there was no one else there, and I know of um, 
men in, in the LA, greater LA area where exactly that happened to where, you know, they were in those kind of crazy places where they didn't even have to do anything and police came down and just because they were obviously gay men in a gay cruisy area then created um, a scenario that didn't even actually happen, let alone the ones that were, mm-hmm. they were entrapped and seduced into something um, like the situation mm-hmm. you're talking about. So it, this is, this is, this is horrendous and it's oppressive and it, and it is a form of systematic terrorism in my opinion. Yeah, that was one of the things when uh, I spoke with someone from the ACLU and they said that, uh, and I never had thought about this way before, they, you know, back in the 1800s, California had a series of laws regarding um, sodomy, oral copulation, social vagrancy that, that really targeted gay men. And as, you know, as the years went on, those, you know, laws eventually were, you know, uh, overruled or challenged or whatnot. Now, now what happens is there are rules you know, when it comes to public places, stuff about lewd conduct, disorderly conduct. And they said it really has the same ultimate goal, is to criminalize, to target and criminalize the LGBTQ community. And it really is a way of trying to make people afraid of the police and not to do anything in public. And it is a form of, of terrorism because, you know, the intention is to in, inflict fear on people. And the other thing that's really important uh, to remember is that the same type of harassment um, does not happen at heterosexual establishments. Does not. So you have a 14th Amendment of equal protection under the law that is going on there. I mean, in Long Beach, for example, there is a location called Horny Corners. Now, it doesn't get that name because a bunch of frogs hang out there. Horny toads. It is renowned as being a location where heterosexual people go to, you know, to mess around. But the police do not do, and the police get more phone calls, ironically, about um, lewd conduct behavior, heterosexual couples, than with gay couples. But it's not treated the same way. The police might go to that, that, that location and say, hey, you know, get out of here, you know, go on home, get a hotel, whatever. No one is cited. No one is arrested. Um, just doesn't happen. And it really kind of just goes back to this kind of, you know, systematic, this kind of deep-rooted homophobia, because when I mentioned to the ACLU person about, you know, the Supreme Court ruling, I said it's been the book for 40 years. This isn't brand new. It's been on there for more than 40 years. And she said, well, you know, what, what uh, police departments and prosecutors are hoping is that a jury and a judge will look at that decision and they will think, well, of course people would be offended by this behavior because it's same-sex intimacy. Of course they would be offended by it, which feeds into that deep-rooted homophobia. So right. it's, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's kind of this, it's, it's bizarre. The gentleman was, was arrested. The case finally made its way to court and got into court over in Westminster in, would have been early, early December. And, you know, there are numerous efforts by the defense attorney to try to enlighten the prosecutor, try to enlighten the Orange County DA. There was a new Orange County DA, Todd Spitzer, in terms of, hey, this isn't lewd conduct. Here's the California, you know, Supreme Court ruling. The two defense attorneys who are handling this case 
are people who are renowned with handling these cases. I mean, they've had Stephanie Lofton, based here in Long Beach, has done these cases for 30 years. Lawyer from the Bay Area, Bruce Nickerson, came down. He's been doing these cases for more than 40 years. And both of them had had some impressive success with getting cases thrown out. So these weren't just, you know, fly-by-night people. These are folks who knew, knew the law, knew what was going on. DA didn't want to hear about it. Nope, nope, nope. DA was, you know, proceeding full steam ahead that, you know, this guy was a sexual deviant. He's a sex offender. He should register on the sex offender list. Luckily, the jury found him not guilty on both counts. And the why DA were they pursuing it so heavily? Why, why know, weren't that's they a great question. to that? That's I mean, a great it, question. It, None it, of them, they wouldn't talk to me. They refused to talk to me. The DA, Todd Spitzer, refused to talk to me. The public information officer for the DA's office, she refused to set up an interview with me to have them explain themselves. Um, an interesting little caveat to this is that the courthouse where the trial took place at is called the West Justice Center it's in Westminster. There are various courthouses in Orange County. The DA who is in charge of that courthouse, who oversees it, is a woman named Susan Price. Susan Price also goes by the name Susie Price, and she is a councilwoman with the Long Beach City Council. Susie Price in Long Beach proclaims herself to be an ally of the LGBTQ community. She rode on a gay pride parade, a gay pride parade float last year. When I confronted her with, why are you treating gay men as criminals and branding them as sex offenders? She refused to speak to me also. So there's a lot of explaining that that office has to do in terms of why this is going on and why are you one of the only jurisdictions left in the state who are doing, who's doing this behavior. And there's another case coming up on Monday. Similar scenario took place in the bookstore. However, a little bit different is that this undercover decoy watched, <laughs> watched a man perform oral sex on another man and made an effort to look over the peep show booth wall to look at the behavior and watch it, went out of his way to watch it, and then arrested him saying he was offended by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, so this this happened. This happened in a situation where they were actually in a private space that you had to climb over a wall to look at them? Correct. Starts on uh, Monday. And, or supposed well, to start the, on Monday. The, the, whole, and, the whole concept of mm-hmm. offense there is ridiculous anyway because what is happening on the screens is, is complete and total you know, copulation. I mean, it's like that is what is being played. You're not watching Disney movies and having this happen in front of a Disney movie. It's an adult bookstore. I mean, it's, exactly. If you're going into it, you yeah. know, you know, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's, and again, this location, there were no complaints from the public at this location. No lewd conduct complaints. So when I asked the Garden Grove police and they acknowledged there were no complaints of lewd conduct from this location, I said, why did you do a sting operation? We want to stop this behavior. It's in a private business. I mean, it's just, you know, there, well, there, it, there's it, no logic it, to it, it. Right. If this kind of behavior in a quote-unquote private business is, is problematic, what about a gym where people go into the locker room and strip down buck naked and walk into the shower? I mean, they're as naked there as they would be in a bookstore. 
without nudity being <laughs> on television screens all around them. So is and mm-hmm. um, you know obviously, especially if if in either case the person isn't necessarily you know playing with themselves or getting erect, which would indicate you know a sexual intent. Um, but if if like in the case of of um, a fan where uh, he just exposed himself, what is the difference? Good question. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, good question. I mean, I guess I guess they I guess the police would have to be there and be watching it and determine that for themselves. I mean, it's just um, and, you know, and it's just it's just two thousand. 20. It's like, really, didn't we learn these lessons? And I mean, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll see what, um, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see, well, well, we'll so see what happens. There, there, for you, though. Yeah. I, the, the business owner of the, in, in this case, the, of the, the private bookstore, you know, the arcade, why aren't they suing the city? Because to me, this seems like complete intimidation. I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, there. I mean, and in fact, they seem almost like as much the target, if not more so, than the patrons. Because if this information gets mm-hmm. out, mm-hmm. this is going to tank their business. I mean, this is completely well, exactly. intimidating that, that if you walk in there, afraid to go there. Right. So why aren't they taking uh, actually suing them for for monetary damages? Not sure. And, and may, maybe there is some effort that they're trying to do. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't have an answer for that question. There might be something going on. I'm just, I'm just not aware of it. It's not a new bookstore. I mean, it's been there for, been there for years. Um, you know, Garden Grove is <clears throat> an interesting city in that, um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, religious influence in Garden Grove. Uh, earlier this year, some folks wanted the city of Garden Grove, like many cities do, to fly the gay pride flag during the month of June, National LGBTQ Pride Month. Again, a lot of cities do it. Um, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't fly the entire year. Flag, it, it just flies that one month. They wouldn't do it. They, they refused to do it. And they gave, you know, some kind of lame excuse. Oh, if we do for, I mean, you know, they kind of, they, 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 they gave a lame excuse for it, um, that, they, that they couldn't do it and that do other flags as well. Well, of course, you do other flags. A lot of cities do that. It's not, it's not unconstitutional. You're not flying it year round. That could be, you know, perhaps an issue. So, you know, there, there, there's something going on over there in Garden Grove. Um, you know, there's something going on. And certainly, you know, city of Garden Grove, city council, they control the police department's purse strings. They control that, they control that budget. So city has to know this kind of stuff is going on. Um, I mean, so that would almost imply there's some kind of um, they're cool with this. You know, they, they might not want anything better than that business to go out of business, which, like you said, would be illegal because you're harming that business's right to do business. He has a business license. He or she has a business license to be open. So um, it's, just, it's, it's all very problematic, I think, all the ways you kind of look at it. And, um, you know, again, with these kind of prosecutions, I mean, you know, this isn't like giving somebody a fine or a ticket. I mean, you're talking to, you know, these are misdemeanors, first of all. And you're talking about someone, you know, going to jail. You're adding this indecent exposure, the sex registration. That's just downright cruel and vicious. I mean, it just, it's just downright cruel and vicious considering what is and, – and, and, it's, and it's a false arrest anyway. It's not even anything that should be arrestable anyway. I will have to say that 
last night around mm, 11 o'clock or so, Susie Price outreached to me on, on Facebook Messenger and was, she outreached to me and was talking about some training that their office was going to be having with law enforcement officials in terms of what is discrimination and what isn't and making sure these types of, uh, you know, sting operations or lewd conducts are done, are done appropriately. I asked her, I said, is the DA apologizing? Are you dropping all these cases you guys are pursuing? She wouldn't, uh, she got kind of defensive and tried to play the victim and say she was just trying to help me by updating me in terms of what's going on. And I'm like, well, you guys are terrorizing gay men and you're targeting them. So what's going on with that? So there might be a break in the dam, so to speak. Um, there might be something going on where they are, you know, there's some media scrutiny. There's getting some negative attention. Uh, they might want to squelch that and, you know, maybe, maybe they'll be doing the right thing. We'll see. Um, We'll see. Well, I, I hope so because because having been in that environment and um, and and my biggest shock about it is that it is continued on to this day. But um, here's how I would characterize it: having been there, is that Garden Grove is a predominantly or very very heavily uh, uh, people of color neighborhood in Orange County, which tends to be you know white affluent. Um, but it is, you know, a lot of Asian population, a lot of Latino population, and, um, you know, and probably the conservative element of, of those kind of populations. And the, the men who come out uh, and are trying to go to some of these establishments, I would say, are probably and likely more closeted than, than might be elsewhere. And so they're very easy to be intimidated. Um, and so I think the authorities in that area are taking even more effort to intimidate them and, um, and either um, drive them back underground or even worse, shame them so they leave the area altogether. Um, but I, Correct. I do think that the intent um, is, is oppressive and um, if Susie really wants to do something about it, and I hope you send her a link to this podcast, um, you know, I think it's a <laughs> real serious um, initiative and effort on the part of the people in, in behind the scenes to orchestrate this stuff. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it, in other words, it would not still be going on 20 years later if it wasn't. Right. And you know, the, the source from the ACLU who I spoke with, you know, she said it's, it's hypocritical to claim you're an ally of the LGBTQ community, but at the same time, you're, you're criminalizing them and targeting them. Um, it's just, you know, it's a hypocrite. So, um, by the way, anybody who wants to read the article that, that we posted can go to QVoiceNews.com. That's where they can read um, the story, as well as other stories about lewd conduct um, that we have posted. But it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing. But I think it just goes to show that um, there still is a real deep-rooted homophobia amongst some people, some agencies, some cities, whatever um, whatever noun you want to put on that. It's in terms of people that, you know, what's, what's, what's going on out there. I mean, these things wouldn't be happening if those feelings didn't exist, period. I mean, it just, it just wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you just look at it and, and it just and it just wouldn't. And when you hear how they, you know, present themselves, you know, know, they present these gay men as, you know, doing, you know, things that are, you know, public interest that this shouldn't happen and it shouldn't be. I mean, again, they're saying they're 
they're demonizing them and that same sex intimacy is this awful rotten. Well, you know, that's, that's homophobic. And that's also, you know, it's, they're not going after heterosexual couples the same way you're going after straight couples. They're going after gay couples. I mean, it's just, they're just not, I mean, this isn't a matter of, you know, people are having their front door open and everybody can see, no, no, this is not what, this is not what's going on. This isn't that kind of behavior at all. We're talking about the police making the initiate, they make the initial contact in almost all of these incidents, the police have made the initial contact. So right there, it's not even lewd conduct. <laughs> if you're, you know, so it's right. Yeah. It's like, and I see, see, I guess looking at some metropolitan areas where, uh, for example, New York and Times Square, um, back in the day, you go to one of the side streets right off Times Square, there were um, gay sex uh, or gay strip clubs and um, porno uh, stores with booze and that type of thing. And those were, you know, I mean, a, there were a lot of them around in a, you know, a big porno movie theater where things happen, you know, in the restrooms and all over the place. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of the, the um, mayors that people loved went in and basically intimidated the hell out of those businesses, closed them down through one means or another, you know, um, sort of disnified the area um, and made it, tourist friendly, there were no more sex clubs or sex oriented establishments around. Um, uh, We were just in Hollywood um, on Hollywood Boulevard um, this week. And I noticed that a lot of um, Brody made the comment to me about how colorful um, it was on Hollywood Boulevard. And it's like not as colorful as it used to be because um, (laughs) Hollywood Boulevard was that way where, there, you know, it was it was long before the days where you get your porn right on your cell phone. I mean, it was like you know, mm-hmm. you, if you wanted to see porn, you had to to go to those porn shops, and they were predominantly men, and obviously a lot of gay men. Um, you know, so it, it's environments that you know, mom and pop America really would like to not have in their neighborhood, admittedly, um, mm-hmm. and so I think mm-hmm. that's the the real target of the oppression, but it's oppression nonetheless. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. and it is um, victimizing gay men, um, especially when mm-hmm. the ones who are arrested to be kind of pawns in the oppression are actually being in, um, entrapped and, and enticed. And it's not something that they are going in and intruding on, on their own behavior. Exactly. Now that's, I mean, that's, that's a whole different scenario, if you will, and that's that's not what's happening in these situations. We have a fire engine going by. There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's not what that that that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different uh, situation when people talk about it. What if someone comes in? Or that's not. I mean, in this particular situation with the bookstore, it's a private. It's a private establishment. It's an arcade. I mean. You're, you know, you're you're walking into an established dirty. I mean, you know, it's just it's it's very much of a moot point. I mean, it just it just is. Um, and yeah, it's, know, again, it's kind of it's waste kind of hard to. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to walk, to say that you you walked into an establishment and you're offended because you saw an erect penis when right next to the erect penis is a magazine with an erect penis on it. 
I mean, it's like <laughs> exactly or how, a movie showing that how, or a movie or a movie showing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the first thing you see when you walk into these places, I've heard, is um, you know these <laughs> huge dildos that you know are they're offensive just because it's like God, who would be that big? I mean, it's 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 insane. <laughs> The, the whole thing is just, it's just ludicrous. And it's, it's, it's just, um, again, I, I hate to be redundant, but it's just problematic. And when you bring in the legal aspect to, you know, punishing these people and, you know, sex registration list, I mean, it's just, um, it, it's, it's just abhorrent. It's cruel, well, it's I'd, vicious, um, all those things. I'd kind of like to weigh in on that aspect of it, because if you take a look at Orange County District Attorney uh, Todd Spitzer, this guy's got, uh, he's a Republican, number one. He's, a, you know, one of these family values types. But he's also a district attorney who's had a controversial tenure in office. Just this last December, according to uh, an investigative journalist writing for The Voice of Orange County, um, a top-ranking executive who worked for Spitzer filed a legal claim alleging that the DA was an abusive boss and repeatedly engaged in a pattern of illegal behavior, and that's still ongoing. That was in December. Now, that's not the only thing that's been, you know, leaving in terms of a complaint against this guy. This guy um, was... uh, uh, also related to a confrontational thing on hate incidences and hate crime uh, data that, you know, seemed to be skewed and his office didn't seem to be all that concerned about it. The other part of it is whether or not, you know, the impact on, you know, someone with this kind of an attitude, you know, this is pretty draconian. To add that special little label to it is a direct slam and there's no other way of doing that other than a sense of homophobia and if you've got a controversial law and order Republican district attorney which is what this guy is you know that can get a little bit problematic that's my understanding that earlier um, this year there was a settlement um, to the person who initially uh, claimed the corruption allegations uh, but then, you know, it's gone radio silence on that. Uh, one commentator uh, also noted that there were some problems during Spencer's uh, campaign for office when he was a supervisor um, that, uh, you know, it was alleged that he was running for DA at the time and he was, uh, as he was a county uh, board of supervisors member, that he was refusing contract awards uh, in certain business uh individuals in the Orange County area unless they would back his campaign uh, for district attorney. And there's a second part of the question, too, and this speaks to what you and Rob are both saying. Take a close look at, you know, what's going on uh, within the department, the police department itself. You know, they've only had uh, this current uh, chief, uh, DeRay, since last year. He replaced the former chief, Todd Elgin, uh, who was a 32-year veteran of the department. So this guy, Chief DeRay, has only been on the force. Tom DeRay has only been on the force for about a year now. And apparently he's got some tenuous, you know, connections with the district attorney as well. 
that overall, if you look at this thing objectively, it, there's no other way than to look at it as targeting of gay men. And it's going back to the, you know, gotcha type of entrapment things that we used to see go on years and years and years. And again, most recently, uh, in a, just outside the parish of Baton Rouge in Louisiana, about two years ago, there was another situation not unlike this one where a private business was involved. I think the biggest problem with this that also drives us too, and Phil, you pointed it out, so did you, Rob, you know, Orange, uh, you know, the Orange County area in general is heavily Republican. It's fairly conservative, but you start to get into the more religious areas, and, and these people tend to bend towards the more evangelical Pentecostal types who don't like the LGBT. TQI plus community to start with, uh, and, and it mm-hmm. gets a little messy, you know. So I, 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 I see two problems here. I, 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 the biggest finger pointing, however, outside of uh, Tom DeRay's troops on the police department is is looking directly at this district attorney. There was absolutely no need to do it, uh, and this guy is apparently, you know, a rabid Republican. You know, anti-gay. There's no other way of looking at it. And you've got the ADAs uh, refusing to talk to you, Phil. So I, you know, it's like they're circling the wagons. Yet this is also an office that's problematic. So I, I see a lot more issues with this too. I'm, I'm upset and offended that here we are, as you said, and I'll restate it. You know, 2020, and once again, it's you know, target the gays, the gays are the boogeyman. You know. Mm-hmm. And then the ludicrousness, it's a bloody sex shop. They sell bloody dildos. I will reiterate what <laughs> Rob said what you just said. Well, I'm sorry, but if you're offended by I hope it, they're not them. bloody, but, but <laughs> like, that's well, really okay, icky. Not I am sorry. <laughs> what is the, uh, what's, the what's the famous line from Casablanca where uh, the character, I forget which character it is, he says, there's gambling in the casino? I'm offended. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. So there's gambling in a casino. I'm shocked. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Here's 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 the thing though. I mean, okay. So let's be real. These places are tacky. They're icky. They're gross. You walk in, they stink. They're 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 not some place you want to take your family into and have a picnic. They they are they are what they are. But it is unconscionable what um, they are doing to these men that they are entrapping because this not only goes on their record, but these sex offender lists are searchable by any of their neighbors. Um, they can, and they are not indicative yeah. that, the, that, that the person got entrapped. They, they are classified in the same category as somebody who actually molested a child. They can be driven out so of kid. Um, mean, the neighborhood. The, yeah. Yeah, they can lose jobs. They can do all of that. Um, for example, what I shared about of that time when the policeman, you know, um, literally blockaded me into a parking lot for absolutely nothing. If he had trumped that up and tried to make something of that and make a case that I couldn't have have gotten out of from just my word against his, I actually probably wouldn't have been able to adopt my two sons years later. Because that would have been on my record. This is life mm-hmm. ruining. 
And whether somebody has opinions about right. these kind of establishments or not, you, you basically need to get into the idea of what is true justice. And somebody going into a place and literally not behaving anywhere outside of what would be norm for inside that establishment um, and to be penalized in such a grotesque and extreme manner is, is horrible. It is oppressive. It is police state. And it is not only against gay men, but it, given this neighborhood, it's against gay men of color specifically. And um, it, it should be stopped. And I hope, Phil, the people that you work with hear our conversation and do something about this. Well, I certainly, I was surprised when she outreached to me, um, you know, that's a sign. I think, you know, that's a sign of, I've, I've said it before and I'll, I'll say it again, you know, cockroaches and vampires hate to, they both hate the same thing, ultraviolet light. And so I, I think in, in situations when uh, this kind of behavior by law enforcement agencies, by prosecutors is exposed, they get nervous, they get uncomfortable. Um, they want to try to change it. After the consulting or whatever, with our um, top government health professionals, I have just said, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. Sorry. I, got, so, I got walked on occasionally you know, by my sources. I was like, what happened there? Um, so, yeah, so I, I you know there might be something um, going on, and I think this, this, you know, the best thing to do in these situations is, you know, report on it and expose it. Because um, I think in many situations also, when these guys are arrested, I think what the police departments are hoping for, what prosecutors are hoping for, these guys will settle and walk away with their tail between their legs. They're not going to fight back. Right. Because they, you know, a lot of these guys are closeted or, and they don't want the attention. But, you know, this was a situation where a guy wanted to fight back, and he told me he wanted the truth to come out. And, you know, the same thing in a case in 2016 in, in Long Beach. Stephanie and Bruce were doing, it was a historic case in Long Beach, the first time Long Beach police um, have been doing these kind of loop conduct, you know, uh, stings for a hundred years, for a hundred years, Long Beach had been doing these sorts of entrapment and arrest of gay men. And for the first time in 2016, a judge said, you know what, this is wrong. It's discriminatory. And he threw out the law stage and, you know, the Long Beach police just had expected and accepted that. And the prosecutor, when these guys are, you know, charged with this, you know, pay a fine, but they just want it just to go away, go away, go away, go away. Somebody fights back. I mean, you know, it's great. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, right. So. And, and we're, we're talking about oh, I mean, the same. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the same thing that happened with Stonewall in 1969, because that was an environment that, that um, civil society <clears throat> was shocked and appalled at, you know, men dressed as women and, and you know, uh, transgender people and, um, and same-sex affection and all that. that. All of that was equally taboo at that time. Even bringing it closer to home in, uh, in Silver Lake, uh, Los Angeles neighborhood, when the Black Cat protest happened in 67, when the police went into that bar and arrested people, they arrested people who were kissing, and they charged them with lewd conduct, and they, were, and they were forced to register as sex offenders. 1967, because gay men were kissing, that was considered lewd conduct. So, you know, the police, and that's a perfect example of a private establishment, a gay bar, 
you know, here the, you know, the, the police have a long-standing history of going after the gay community in private establishments and businesses, gay bars and clubs, you know, and, and, and criminalizing their behavior in a private right. business. I mean, it's just, you know, it's really in a, in a way, nothing really has changed. I mean, the person from ACLU said, I think it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty right on, pretty, pretty direct. They're still finding ways to target and criminalize gay men. 2020, but you know what? Right. You look at the tactics and kind of the facts of it. It's the exact same stuff they're doing. It's the exact same. They just yep. get rid of those those those, Bill, those dirty gay men. They're so disgusting. They're gross. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So we've got only two more minutes. Tell us about um, uh, Q Voice News really quickly. Where do people find that, and what's going on there? Sure, you can find us at QVoiceNews.com. Q V O I C E Q Voice News N E W S, all one word. Um, you know we're we're a digital LGBTQ news magazine. There's no print product. We're just digital, um, doing pretty hyper local content of the greater Los Angeles, Southern California, California area, and then of course at beyond as well. Um, so we're pretty comprehensive in terms of our coverage. This is a pretty big story that we just took a little bit of time. So. Um, kind of taking a breath for a minute and kind of seeing, okay, what, what next is coming down the pipeline, but don't want to show my cards too much because then um, might give good ideas for other people. So just read us, subscribe <laughs> to our newsletter. We have a newsletter you can sign up for. <laughs> Encourage folks to subscribe to it if they want uh, to read news from us. We have great stuff. Excellent. So um, definitely check out Q Voice News, also LABlade.com for more news and um uh, our thanks for them sponsoring this program. And also tell your friends to subscribe to us. Um, you can find us on any of your podcast apps on any smartphone. Have them click on the podcast app, um, search for Rated LGBT Radio, and subscribe. Um, we have a hugely growing audience, and we appreciate that. Also, you can listen to Out in Santa Cruz Saturday nights, 7 p.m. Pacific Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can listen to that live stream uh, at www.ksco.com. I want to thank Phil for joining us today and all the work you do. Brody, thank you for your journalistic endeavors and work um, saving the world. Very appreciated your work on this show. And I want to thank our listeners. We appreciate you so very much. Please keep listening. We will keep bringing you um, unique and wonderful programming, we promise. And we will be back here again next week, and we can't wait to talk to you then. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. 